good. All right, guys, let's give it for the worship band one more time. Thank you guys for leading us in worship tonight. All right, so here we go. Let's get started. Uh, first of all, you know, last week I got, I was a little bit sick. I still have a little bit about that sore throat, but I want to say thank you to um, Madeline and Kat, wherever they are. There's Madeline, Kat's somewhere. We lost. Cat's outside. Okay. <coughs> Thank you to Madeline Cat for uh, sharing her testimonies. Let's give it up for Madeline Cat for sharing her testimonies with us uh, last week. Bono wasn't there to hear that, but I'm sure it was awesome. So, uh, thank you guys for writing down your questions for me. I appreciate that. You guys always do a great job. Okay, guys, it's a, it's is it a B or is it like? Okay. It'll it'll be okay. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate the clap, but it's okay, guys. I don't worry about the beat. I think there's not. I mean, I'm not gonna jump up there. It's attracted to the light, so it's it's not gonna. It's okay. If you threw a basketball, it would break the light. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So tonight is our last night in the series, Made for More, okay? So we've been going through the series for, I don't know how many weeks, maybe like nine or so weeks, so it's been a little while. Um, and we're finishing tonight. I'm going to go through some of the questions that uh, you guys had asked. And so thank you for asking questions. Your questions, you guys never fail to disappoint with your questions. It's like a great combo of like humor and like serious questions and just what the heck kind of questions so great job and i was actually able to talk with pastor elijah a little bit about your questions as well so let's get into these questions all right first question do our pets go to heaven I'm, i want to take a vote how many people think yes our pets go to heaven some people think yes how many people think no our pets do not go to heaven Okay, so we have some some mixed views here. Yeah, who didn't raise their hand? Some people. Okay, so we got the the neutrals. So um, the Bible is not uh, super detailed on this subject. My my answer would be I hope so. I do think there's going to be uh, animals like in. Uh, in the new heaven and the new earth, I think there will be animals. Whether or not that animal is your dog Fluffy, I don't know if it's going to be your, probably not your dog Fluffy, okay? Pastor Elijah said, heck no, so that's his opinion, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Next question is, what is the best way to study the Bible with a significant other? And so I'd say to this, you know, there's lots of great uh, Bible plans that you can go through on version, the Bible app. There's uh, Bible plans about dating and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's kind of the best way I'd say you guys can read through a book of the Bible together or something like that. I think that's a good way to study the Bible with a significant other. How does marriage today differ from biblical times? What makes a marriage today? Like if it's legal, if there does it have to be a certain kind of ceremony? So in biblical times, uh, they had this thing called betrothal. And betrothal is kind of like engagement that we have today. And Basically, uh, two sets of parents would arrange a marriage uh, for their children. They'd be betrothed to one another for about six months to a year, which is basically getting ready for the wedding. And then uh, when the wedding happened at the wedding ceremony, the groom and bride, they'd get all dressed up. And the groom goes over to the bride's house 
And together, they go to the groom's house. And there's kind of like this big parade with everybody uh, celebrating that. And um, yeah, they have the wedding ceremony, the bride and groom. It's a little awkward, but they at this wedding ceremony during this time, they go to a room to consummate their marriage. And they have this big feast for a week. And so that's what they did uh, back then. And so... You know, things change. The way we do marriage uh, changes. You know, today we have uh, engagement and, and marriage. You guys know pretty much how we do it today. Some people are engaged for six months or a year or whatever it may be. If you're like Pam and Roy, then you never, you know, they're engaged for like three years or whatever. And that just doesn't work out. But so different things happen today in our culture. But the principle of marriage stays consistent, whether it be uh, in biblical times or in modern times. The principle is in Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so this principle, maybe this metal thing is messing me up. This principle remains consistent regardless of the time that we are in and the way uh, that the marriage ceremony happens. Now, to be considered married, that's something that's a commitment that you make before God and before man. It is also a legal commitment. So the government uh, sees you as married as well. I heard of a couple this one time uh, that, <coughs> sorry, I don't have COVID anymore, but I'm still getting there. So I heard of this, um, this couple that, they, they got a marriage ceremony, like from a pastor, but they didn't want to tell the government that they were married. So the, the wife or the woman could receive free government money as like, you know, if you're like a single mom, the government gives you money, apparently. That's like a, like a thing. So that's not the way to do things. That's obviously lacking integrity. That's not the way to do it. If you're, if you're getting married, do it in the eyes of God, but also do it in the eyes of of the state as well. And you get like tax benefits for being married. So I don't know why you wouldn't. So that answers that question. Next question is, how do you support LGBTQ friends and other religion friends? How do you support people that are in other religions from what you are and LGBTQ friends as well? That's what the question was. I answer this by saying we need to love others the best way possible. We need to love others the best way possible. Now I'll answer, it's kind of like two questions in one, so I'll kind of answer them one at a time. We talked about uh, a while ago, the Bible is very clear on what God's design for sexuality is. The Bible is very clear uh, about religions and that saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the Bible is very clear on these things, but this doesn't make Christians better people than non-Christians. Christians are not better people than non-Christians. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. We are saved by what God has done for us, not by what we do. So that doesn't make us better than anybody else, right? We just trust in, in the God who is good. So loving others in the best way possible does not mean agreeing with them. Love can be combined with disagreement. I could love a person, uh, you know, have a friend and love my friend or love my brother or whatever that may be, but not agree with everything in their life and not agree with all the choices and decisions that they make, right? 
And so love does not mean agreement. And so when it comes to LGBTQ friends, for example, and if you want to listen to this more, we talked about it uh, on same-sex attraction. There's a sermon on Instagram. You can listen to that uh, in this context. I don't really want to, that's like a whole message, so I'm not going to get into that. But the Bible is very clear about what God's design for marriage is. And so it's not loving to be supporting of that. It's not loving to, for example, go to like a gay pride parade and support that. That is not the loving thing to do. It's not loving to encourage people to live in the less when God created them for more. That's not loving. It's not loving to, to help people go down a path that's going to lead them away from God's design and God's good heart for their lives. And so we want to do the most loving thing possible. In fact, that's not love. That's actually hate. To lead someone away from Christ, that's, that's hate. That's the opposite of love, right? And so we don't want to encourage people to live in the less. We show love to others by sharing the truth with them, but also showing that their choices will not determine how we treat them and their choices don't determine how much God loves them. God loves all people regardless of, of the choices that they make, but they have an opportunity or a choice that they have to make if they want to pursue God's design for their life and have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So they have to choose that for themselves. It's not our job to save them. It's our job to share the message. And something Pastor Elijah said on this that I thought was really good. It's important to listen to people who see things different from you. And it's also important to not just look at them as being like a project. They're people. People are not a project. They're people. They're loved by God. They're created in the image of God. They need Jesus just like you need Jesus. And so we can't look at people like a project, like it's our job to change them. No, it's not our job to change them. That's God's job to change their hearts. And it's their job to be responsive of that. And I see that with all these things that we've been talking about. It's not my job to convince you guys of anything. That's, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to teach what the Bible is saying. But it's your job to have the ears to hear it. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to be working in your heart. And it works the same when it comes to friends of other religions and, and friends that live a different lifestyle when it comes to sexuality. Are you a real redhead? Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Gavin for that question. Um, there we go. Is it a sin to date a non-Christian? Is it a sin to date a non-Christian? So we did a message on this uh, sort of towards the beginning of our series, Who Do I Date? You guys can look that message up on Instagram. Um, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And in this message, we kind of went into details about what it means to be yoked and how you got like the two, the two bulls that are like pulling the thing and they got the yoke around their neck. And if they're unequally yoked, one is going one way, one is going the other. And in the same way, in our relationship, it's important to have someone who shares our values, who shares our beliefs. So you and that person are going in the same direction together. You're not disunified. One person trying to go off over here, the other person trying to go off over there. So I'm going to flip the page around. There we go. So the question was, is it a sin to date a non-Christian? So when we ask about if something is a sin, we need to ask the question, why? Everybody say, why? why? There we go, why? We've got to ask the question, why? 
We can't just say, okay, that's a sin. And there you go. It's a sin, period. The Bible says it's wrong, so it's a sin. And that's it. No, we have to think about it. We have to think about why is this wrong? Why, why does it matter? Why would the Bible say that this is a sin? Why is this hurtful to us and hurtful to others? So the choices that we make flow out of the kind of person that we are. Who you choose to date is actually a reflection of who you are because it's a choice that you make, right? I mean, 99% of people that I know aren't like forced to date somebody, right? Like it's a choice. You choose who you're going to date. You make that decision. And so who you choose can be a reflection of who you are in your own character. I saw this meme that was like, like Jesus, please give me a godly woman. And, and Jesus responded. He's like, I'll do that when you become a godly man. It's kind of savage if Jesus said that, but it's not in the Bible, but this isn't me. But the point is, who you date, who you pursue is a reflection of who you are. If you're a man of God, if you're a woman of God, then that's going to be what you're looking for. If you value what God values, you're going to pursue someone who also values what God values. If you don't value what God values and you don't value what he says in his word, then you're not going to care that much about pursuing someone who does value those things, right? People say in relationships like, oh, I got so lucky that I got this person. Well, you don't really get lucky. You make a choice. You choose if you want to be with a man of God. You choose if you want to be with a woman of God, a man or woman of God that's going to honor you, that's going to love you the way that Jesus loves you. You have a choice to make. It's not based on luck. We need to have friends who don't know Christ. We need to have relationships with people who don't know Christ. But when it comes to romantic relationships, your spouse is your mission partner, not your mission field. Your spouse is your mission partner, not your mission field. This is your partner in life. This is the person that you're raising kids with. This is the person that you're buying your first house with. Like You are mission partners. You guys are, are doing everything in life together. And it's such a blessing to have a mission partner like, like my wife, who we are together. We are unified in Christ, we're moving, we're equally yoked together in the same direction. And so we ask the question, is it a sin to date a non-Christian? I'd say if somebody knows all of these things, then yes, I would say it's a sin because they are knowingly disobeying what God has described in Scripture. But also, we need to understand why God has described that. So that's why I shared that with you guys. So that's that question. This next question it's like one of my favorite. Definitely made the top, top two, the top three. Here we go. Since Adam and Eve did not get dressed until after they sinned, does that mean that we should be nude all the time? <laughs> That's a question. Now, whoever wrote this question, I don't know who it was. They probably thought it was like a joke. But I actually think it's a really good question. I don't know. I like this question. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So basically what they're saying is, you know, the Bible says Adam and Eve, they were naked and felt no shame, right? And then they sinned, they ate from the fruit, and uh, they felt shame. They were hiding from God. They were ashamed of themselves. They knew that they were naked. God says, who told you you were naked? And all these different things. So the question is, well, if sin caused them to realize they're naked, and they were naked before, like, we should just all be naked now. Because that means that we didn't sin or whatever. But... The thing is, we did sin. All of us have sinned, right? 
And so Adam and Eve, at first they cover themselves in their own shame. They try to cover themselves. I think that this question actually really depicts the gospel really well. Here's why. So Adam and Eve, they made garments, they made lion cloths to cover themselves, to cover their own shame. But then later on, right, God is broken hearted. God's like, who told you naked? All this stuff. And God kills animal. It says this in Genesis 3.21. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothes them. So God killed an animal, gave them garments of skin for them to be clothed. Something had to die to cover their shame. Something had to die in order for them to be clothed, in order to cover their shame. You don't know it, but every day... Hopefully every day. When you put on clothes, every day that you put on clothes, you are actually showing a picture of the gospel. Because the reason why we wear clothes is because Adam and Eve sinned, their, their shame covered them. God covered their shame by sacrificing, by sacrificing an animal and clothing them with the skin. Here's how this relates to us, though. Okay, not just wearing clothes. Jesus Christ was a sacrifice for our sin. Jesus Christ died for our sin. He died for our shame. And when we trust in his sacrifice for us, here's what happens. It's really cool. Our sin and our shame goes on him and his righteousness goes on us. So now when God looks at me, God doesn't see my shame anymore. God sees the righteousness of Jesus because I have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and it covers my shame. That's pretty cool, right? So, don't walk around naked. All right, next question. But to answer that, maybe, maybe if Adam and Eve never, ever, ever sinned, maybe they would, people would just be naked all the time. But it wouldn't be weird because they didn't even know they're naked. They didn't even know, right? So, maybe. I don't know. But that's how wearing clothes depicts the gospel. So when you put on your clothes tomorrow or tonight, when you put on your PJs or whatever, you're picturing the gospel. There you go. Next question is, should we talk to God all the time or when we need him most? Should we talk to God all the time or when we need him most? I'd say we don't realize it, but all the time is when we need him most. Oh, oh, come on, come on. All the time is when we need him most. Like we, we go through our lives and, and we really feel like, oh, I need God. When I got like this hard thing I'm dealing with, maybe a family member passed away. Maybe it's like a, a test at school or whatever. Maybe I need God during this time. Those are two very different kind of hard times, right? But we think I need God at these times. But really the right perspective would be like we need God to breathe. God gives you breath. God is the one that keeps your heart beating. You need God all the time just to be alive. You need him. You rely on him. And even when you are sinning against him, God is, by his grace, keeping you alive even while you're rebelling against him. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants to give you a chance to know him and be in a relationship with him. So you need to pray to God all the time because all the time, is when you need him most. And you can talk to God about all kinds of things. You talk to God just like you talk to a friend when you're getting up in the morning. 
when you're going to bed at night, just during the day through school, whatever it may be. You can talk to God just like you talk to anyone. We, people think or I hear people say like, oh, I'm not good at praying. But it's like, does that mean that you're not good at talking? Does that mean you're not good at thinking? Because that's what you're doing. That's what you're saying. Because praying doesn't have to be like this always like, okay, I'm always going to fold my hands and close my eyes. And I'm going to like spin around three times and like do five jumping jacks. And then I'm like holy enough to enter God's presence. No, prayer is I'm going to talk with God where I'm at. That's what prayer is. And you can do that anywhere, anytime. God wants to hear from you. God wants for you to know him. So, yeah. You don't realize it, but we always need him most. Next question was another, this, this was like one of the best questions. This is more of a theological question. So, this question is, why are some rules like gay marriage not allowed in Christianity, but others, like eating pork, are fine today? So, a little background for you guys. If you look in the Old Testament, you see lots of rules like uh, rules for the Jewish people with how they're supposed to make their sacrifices, rules for things that they're supposed to eat. I'm going to explain. I'm going to kind of answer that question first and then answer the first one. So in the Old Covenant, God gave people, the Jewish people, the Mosaic Law. Okay, what that means is there's this guy named Moses that God gave Moses the law. Moses gave it to the people. And that's in the, uh, basically in like Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers in the Bible. Okay? So, good pickup line. Go to like a girl or whatever. Be like, I was reading the book of Numbers and I didn't see yours in it. So, what's up? You know? All right. Anyways. That was a bad joke, I guess. Thank you. Is that a red flag if somebody says that on the first date? Red flag or not? Okay. Some people say it's okay. Jordan says it's a red flag. The dude that has no red flags. Come on, Jordan. Come on. Okay. Anyways, so they had the Mosaic Law, right? Book of Numbers, all these different things, all these requirements for uh, taking the Sabbath, not eating pork, and all of these different rules. Israel were God's people here on earth. Israel was set apart to be a holy nation for God, for God's earthly purposes, okay, and some of God's heavenly purposes as well. Israel was supposed to be set apart as a nation from the other nations. They're supposed to look different from the other nations. They're supposed to look different with the way that they ate, with the way that they dressed, with uh, the, the way that they worked, the way that they didn't work by taking the Sabbath. They were designed to look different. We are not the nation of Israel. We are not under the old covenant that God made with the nation of Israel. We're under what's called the new covenant. This covenant, it applies to all people for all times. We are not under the law. We don't have to uh, not eat bacon and, and things like that. So we are not under the law. The Bible says we are under grace, not the law. Now that is a whole, that is a very short answer to a question that I could do like probably two or three sermons on that thing. That's a, that's a very big question. But how does that relate over to gay marriage? Well, same-sex attraction and things like that, that is addressed both in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant. When we looked at what Scripture says about that, we actually looked in the New Testament. We looked in uh, Romans chapter 1. We looked in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So they're mentioned both in the Old and the New Covenant. So I'd say that's one particular thing that would make that different from a rule like 
eating pork. And also we talked about how God's principles for marriage apply all throughout. Maybe the ceremony looks different for marriage, right, than it did a thousand years ago or whatever. But the principle remains the same all throughout Scripture and consistent. And it's the same for that. Here's what I like about this question, though. When it comes to looking at what the Bible says, we can't just pick and choose what we like. Like somebody can't look at what the Bible says and be like, well, I like, some people could be like, okay, I like this rule that God says about marriage between a man and woman, but then they completely disregard what the Bible says about love and compassion. People do that. And that's why they get the, the picket signs that hold up and say God hates gay people and stuff like that. That's horrible. That's not accurately displaying what the scripture teaches. That's wrong. We can't just pick and choose things of the Bible that we like. At the same time, we can't say, okay, I love the love and compassion in the Bible, but I don't love uh, this certain rule or whatever it may be over here as well. If you just base your faith off of where your opinion agrees with the Bible, you're not basing your faith on God's word. You're basing your faith on your opinion. That's what you're doing. But our faith isn't based on our opinion because our opinions change, right? My opinion changes. Your opinion changes. I'm just a person. You're just a person. The God who's the author of creation, the author has the authority to dictate what is best for our lives. And so that's why we trust in the word of God and we look to the truth of the word of God and we base our faith on that, not on our opinions. All right. Also, one more thing is that culture changes, right? Have you guys seen culture change? Even in your own lifetime, culture changes. Following Jesus has always been countercultural. Always. Jesus says, I call you off from the world. The world's going to hate you. If the world you know, doesn't have a problem with some of the things that you believe, like Jesus being the only way to heaven, like maybe you're not really following Jesus because Jesus said the world hates me. They're going to hate you too. Following Jesus is countercultural, but it's real. It's real. Why does shame feel so bad? Why does shame feel so bad? Have you guys ever seen those games, you know, like the little kid plays and it's there's like a box and it's got like different shapes of holes and you got like the square hole that you put the little square thing in. You got like the triangle one. You know what I'm talking about? The square hole is supposed to go, the square is supposed to go in the square hole. The, the circle goes in the circle hole, the triangle in the triangle. But if you try to put the triangle in the circle, if the game is designed right, the triangle is not supposed to be able to fit in the circle hole, right? That's, that's how it happens. In fact, in order for you to fit the triangle into the circle, you have to break something. Something has to break because it wasn't made for that. We feel broken when we feel shame. And shame feels so bad because we weren't made for that. We were made to feel shame. We were made to be unashamed of who we are. But because sin came into our world and into our lives and we sin, now we feel shame. We feel shame because we strive to be like God, yet we know that we fall short time and time and time again. And shame feels horrible because we weren't made for it. But God loved us so much that he said, I'm gonna take your shame and I'm gonna bear it myself. 
And just like we talked about earlier, he says, I'm going to clothe you and cover you in the righteousness of Christ. So you have no reason to be ashamed. You can be unashamed of the gospel of Christ because he has set you free. Is questioning our faith bad? Is questioning our faith bad? So I'd say questioning your faith can be very good or questioning your faith can be very bad. Here's what I mean by this. So I'll talk about how it could be bad. If you question your faith and you're just questioning God, you're doubting God, you're like, I don't agree with this, I don't agree with that, or whatever it may be, that's fine to do that. But if you just do that, and you don't actually go and search for the truth, that's not questioning. That's just being critical. That's just, you know, sitting on your, on your high box or whatever and just being critical and saying, okay, I just disagree with this and I'm not going to try to search for truth. I'm not going to try to understand it. I'm just going to doubt it and that's it. That's not going to help you grow. But if you question your faith and at the same time you are researching and you're trying to find the truth in God's word, you're trying to find the truth in God's creation, then that's actually going to help your faith grow. And questioning your faith becomes a very good thing. I would actually be worried if you never question your faith. Because questioning your faith is kind of like working out your faith, right? If you never work out, you're going to be weak. You're going to be very weak, right? In the same way, questioning your faith is working out your faith. Questioning your faith is finding things that challenge you in your walk with Christ, questions that challenge you, why does God exist? What's the evidence for that? Things like that. It's challenging your faith, but when you research and you're growing and you're learning the truth, that actually is going to make your faith stronger through that process. So if you never question your faith, then you have weak faith or you have superficial faith at best. So I want for you guys to question your faith. Question your faith, but look for the truth as you're doing it, okay? Next question is, what is your testimony? Well, I'll share that with you guys next week. Next question is the last question of the day. This question is, how or why could God love me? How or why could God love me? Now this question, I think maybe maybe all of us have asked this at some point. If you haven't asked this question, that's not good because it could mean that you're full of yourself, right? You're like, oh, of course God loves me. I'm awesome. Like, I'm perfect. God should love me. Well, we're not perfect, right? We sin. We mess up. We feel shame. And because we sin and we mess up and we acknowledge that truth that we sin, it leads us to ask the question, how could God love me? How could God love me when I'm such a mess? How could God love me and send his son to die for my sins when this is who I am, when this is who I have become? I'd say this. God doesn't make mistakes. God's never made a mistake, ever. And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And he's not going to start with you. He's not going to start with you. God doesn't make mistakes. Before you ever committed your first sin, God created you, right? God formed you in your mother's womb. And God knew the mistakes that you would make in your life. Yet God still made you. 
God wasn't like, okay, this this baby's gonna be like the worst, like Hitler kind of baby. So I'm just not gonna make that one. I'm gonna put that one like, I'm just gonna throw it away, right? God didn't say that. God made you. God saw the mistakes that you would make before you ever did it. And he made you anyways. And he made you with purpose. And he made you to know him. And he loved you. Even before you ever messed up. And he went to the cross for you. The Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That means that before God created everything, God knew what would happen. And God had a plan of salvation to pursue after your heart. God loves you. God's crazy about you. Love is a choice. I think love has become this superficial thing to a lot of people today where it's like, okay, I, I love you when I feel like I love you. But love is a choice, and God chose you. Love is a choice, and God chose you. God chose to love you despite all the shame, all the regrets, all the mistakes, everything. God chose to love you. It says he predestined you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. He went to the cross for you. He took your sin and punishment from you. He rose from the grave for you. You were the joy that was set before him because he wants you to know him. He wants to know you. But you have to respond. You have to make a choice for yourself. With all these things we've been talking about, I think the topics of sexual brokenness hit so close to our hearts because it's, it's just, it's like it's a, it's a tender subject. It hits close to our hearts. And I think it's a place where the gospel can shine perhaps the brightest in your life. And that, and that sin that you've committed over and over and over again, that, that brokenness that you have, that, that mistake that you've made with that person, whatever that is, man, in the middle of all that, God still loves you. And you're not a mistake. God loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants to show you that you're made for more. It's not about all these rules and, and all this stuff. God wants to show you that you're made for more. God has a plan and purpose for your life, and it's good. God loves you, and God chose you. But now you have the chance to respond and choose him back. He's not going to make you do that. That's your choice, right? But I just want to encourage you to do that. Because when you choose him, and you begin that relationship with God, and you say, God, I'm done living this way. I'm done going on this path that I've been on. I'm going to turn from my sin, and I just want to follow Jesus with everything that I am. The Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you are dramatically transformed. doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect in your life from then on forward. Not everything's perfect for anybody. But you have Christ. You have the greatest treasure that you could ever have. Let's bow our heads and, and close our eyes in an attitude of prayer. And with this whole series, you know, we've talked about so many different things with every head, head bowed and eye closed. Like, all of us have brokenness in our life. All of us have had times where we lived in the less. And if you're tired of living in the less, and you want to discover the more that God made you for. If you want to turn from your sins 
and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm done living this way. I, I'm, I'm done going on this path. I trust in, in what God has said to me through his word. I trust that I'm not a mistake. Even though I've made all these mistakes, I am not a mistake. God has a plan and purpose for my life, and it's good. And I want to trust in Jesus. And I want to trust that his sacrifice for me is enough. I want to trust that God loves me. I may not fully understand why God loves me, but I'm going to trust that he says he does. And I'm going to trust that he chose me. If you want to trust that, could you just raise your hand for me so I can pray for you? If you want to trust in that. You guys can put your hands down. Thank you, guys. If you want to trust in that, you can pray this just in your own heart. You can say, God, I want to turn from my sin, and I want to trust in you, Jesus. I want to pursue you with everything that I have. Please forgive me for where I've messed up. Please forgive me for the mistakes that I've made for living in the less. God, I want to live in the more now. And I know it won't be perfect, and I know it's going to be hard. But, Lord, I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to trust in you through it. Because, God, I believe you chose me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose from the grave, defeating the sin and death that I deserved. That even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life tonight. And God, I want to turn to you. And I pray this in his name. Amen.